Hello, everybody, and welcome to Queer to Air. My name is Brian, and I use he, him pronouns, and this is the second part of our Coming Out Now versus Then series. We have already talked to Finch uh, about what it was like to come out as an older gay man, so you can go and check that out if you like. And coming up, we have Julie, who is an older lesbian, who wanted to come in and chat about her experiences. Very lucky to have Julie. These podcasts always revolve around mental health and well-being, so uh, if you think talking about poor mental health might be quite triggering for you, I encourage you to hit pause and come back to it at another time whenever you feel like it or you're in a better headspace. And if you're in crisis right now and you want to reach out for help, there are a number of services out there who can help you. You can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. They're open 24-7 and you can also access them on lifeline.org.au. You can call Kids Helpline on 1-800-55-1800. There's the Suicide Callback Service on 1-300-65-94-67. Uh, they're also open 24-7, and you can visit them on suicidecallbackservice.org.au. Uh, I've talked about Headspace a lot. It's a great resource for supporting young people and their mental health. Uh, they're all over the country, so I can't give you one number for one location. But if you jump on to headspace.org.au, you can find your nearest branch. And uh, you can also jump on eheadspace.org.au as well for counseling online. Uh, QLife is a phone counseling service specifically for LGBTI people. Um, their number is 1-800-184-527, available 3 p.m. to midnight in your state, and you can visit them on qlife.org.au, and they have that online chat as well. And, of course, there's Freedom Center, which is where we come from. Uh, we're not a crisis line, but if you ever need direction in where the best place to seek help is, you call us on 9228-0354. The email is info at freedom.org.au, and the website is freedom.org.au, where you can find all our opening times so you can come into any of our drop-in sessions and talk to the staff and volunteers to get that information as well. All of the information will play after the outro music, in the middle, and in the description for this podcast. Yay. <laughs> so today's podcast will be another one in a series of young people talking to people of an older generation, sharing experiences about coming out and what it was like to grow up in, I guess, like different decades. Um, the last one I thought was really fun, um, but it was me, Raf and Finch, who were three gay men. So, um, or maybe Pan, uh, <laughs> depending on how Finch likes to identify now. Um, so we thought it would be interesting to get a different perspective of um, like three women who are attracted to women. So that's why I am very lucky to um, introduce to the podcast, Julie. How are you, Julie? I'm fantastic, thanks. Thank you so yeah. much for coming on. I really appreciate uh, you putting your hand up and saying that you would be quite happy to come on this and share your experiences. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Thanks, yeah. Brian. No, no worries. And um, joining me as well, we also have a veteran to the podcast at this point. Uh, Claire, hello. Yeah, hello. <laughs> and she, her pronouns? Yeah. Yeah. And um, joining us also is Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi. So to start us off, Julie, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came out um, and kind of when that happened in your life? Okay, it was 1975 and I was 25. I thought I had the perfect life. I was happily married to the, a man who I adored. Um, I lived in Sydney and um, I joined the Army Reserve the year before. Then suddenly um, I realised that something was different. Um, and I was hit by this, like a tonne of bricks, by this attraction that I felt for a female instructor. And I couldn't work it out. 
1975, I had no nice words to describe what was happening or what I was feeling. And in the 1970s, homosexuality, as it was called, was a mental condition. Um, so my friend and I, Eva is her name, we struck up a strong friendship and it, after a few months it morphed into something more. Now, both of us didn't understand what was happening. We had nobody else to talk to. We didn't talk to anybody else for about this for years. Um, we were both ashamed of how we felt. Um, and I was hoping it was a school called Crush at first and that I would grow out of it and I would be normal again. Um, however, the longer that my relationship went for, I strongly believed that I was going to go to hell. I'd been brought up, uh, my, my mother was very Christian, and I believed that I would go to hell for this. Um, uh, Forty years later, the, the language and identification is so different. Um, we used the word camp then. Um, we knew no one else who was, inverted commas, camp. Um, in the army, we heard rumours of people who might be camp, and that was very salacious that so-and-so might be camp, but we had no proof. Um, camp, of course, became the, the acronym for Campaign Against Moral Persecution. Um, so in Sydney, um, there were the nightclubs, Ruby Reds and the playground. Ruby Reds was only for women. Uh, Ruby Reds was a really, you know, it was gr they played great disco music. They had a, like um, uh, a coloured dance floor with all the lights popping and it was just incredible. But you went out to the, to the toilets and there'd be things like big fights going on, people's women smashing bottles and holding somebody up, you know, with a bottle. It was pretty scary stuff. And then in 1984 I came to to Perth and that was a completely different thing. The Leaderville Hotel was um, open at 4pm but there I met women who really changed my life, who were, who were different, who were feminist who I was introduced there were a lot from Fremantle but some from Perth and they were feminist um, they were radical they um, there had been over here in the December 84 just before I arrived the Coburn Sound um, movement which brought women from all over Australia to Coburn Sound for two weeks to, to camp there to protest against the naval base. And um, Perth was really like a hotbox of radical lesbian women. And because I was still married, I felt once again really embarrassed that I wasn't being true to the cause. I was embarrassed and ashamed before because I had feelings for women and now I was really embarrassed because I still love my husband, but I still had these really strong f feelings for women. So it was a really hard time, but my husband and I separated amicably in 86 and we're still friends. That's amazing to hear. 
Yeah, well, he was the first man and probably the only man in my life who has been a really good, true, honest, decent and mm. shown me love. And that's all he wanted to do. But, yeah, so it was, it was an incredible time during the 80s to be here and, ha and be part of all the collectives, the collectives of uh, women um, joining together, to make things happen, to organise events, to fundraise, to distribute the money to other women's groups. So I, I ran a lot of dances. There was the Bertha Collective, and um, that was a bit of a scream, the Bertha Collective. Um, they we used to all go to the dances, and we had a, there was a great sound system, and I said at one stage, one of the women had been in Germany, and she'd come back and she started playing all this rap music. <laughs> and I kept on going up and saying, can we have something we can sing to? <laughs> and then she said, well, why don't you join? So I said, oh, okay, where do I go? How do I join? And she gave me the address and I rocked up a couple of weeks later and they, she said, we've already had the meeting. So it was a collective, but it was sort of closed. But anyway, I eventually got on and I was allowed one hour a night to play dance, uh, songs that slightly older women liked like anyway I had a whole list of um, of songs and that I'd play and when the dance floor would would um, you know get they disperse then I put on something to really bring them back on again and so you were and, a DJ yeah oh great <laughs> that's amazing oh I didn't know that about you and when yeah. we talked earlier yeah anyway yeah. continue well sorry. then we started up our own dances called we called them the no rap dances for women <laughs> 40 and over because I just turned 40 40 and over and their friends so you could come along as long as you're a friend and you didn't mind having no rap so yeah so this would have been about 1990. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, you know, that was that was great. One New Year's Eve, I did the whole five hours of of dance of music, which was pretty exhausting. So we we first of all had turntables, then we went to CDs. But it was much more fun with the turntables. I love. This is a beautiful contrast because I love rap music. I know. I... And I think it's the best thing to dance to. So it's amazing to hear the contrast between that and the time that you were in. Yeah, well, we used to have um, 200 women come to our dances. There was an unwritten rule that you didn't play any music that had and I love him or anything <laughs> referring to loving a male. So gay or, music only. <laughs> yeah, or, no, women, women yeah, singing, and, but not singing about men. Only women singing, but not referring to men. So it was really tricky. <laughs> And sometimes if you played something and it suddenly there was popped into a reference about a man, yet there were, you'd get these dirty looks from the dance floor. So, yeah, you were telling me earlier, Julie, about like the different ways that language was used when you were when you were younger and coming out. You told yeah. me about camp and then you mentioned that um, that dyke was a really big thing and that you don't you prefer that term over lesbian. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, the we used to call out refer to ourselves a lot as dykes mm. and there were different types of dykes there was lippy dykes or lipstick we which is like i said we use lipstick lesbian these days yeah which is a more feminine woman or like a femme lesbian that's what we would say these yeah days. okay uh, there was sporty dyke and yeah um there was a bull dyke which uh, uh there was um s&m dykes yep. 
Vanilla Dykes. <laughs> What's who, a vanilla? Oh, hold on, hold on. Vanilla, What's a- vanilla's the opposite of being kinky. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. So I'm not, I, I mentioned to you before, Julie, but I'm not a lesbian. Um, and there's definitely like um, a lot of discussion within communities of women who like women about who has the right to claim the word dyke. And the general consensus is that bisexual women shouldn't be using that word to identify. Yeah, well, that's interesting that you should bring up that point. I don't know about now, but in the 80s, um, because when I came to Perth and I was still married, I felt that I didn't have the right to be to be called a lesbian, and I felt, you know, uh, not right, not mm. not real, and yeah, and as I said before, I my husband and I separated mm. and bisexual women weren't really included yeah and that's why I made had made that choice to make a stand and say okay I'm on this side that's that's how it was in those days N- yeah nowadays there's some and and this raises a really interesting point is that the women who fought so hard to become visible in the 80s as lesbians mm. and they're now in their 50s, 60s and 70s, mm. we've now become invisible. Yeah. And the reason why is because we're included in this big umbrella and it's, that's, it's great for lots of reasons, but um, the lesbian culture, I think, has been really... Um, it's it's virtually been eradicated, in my opinion. Like, yeah. um, les- lesbian bar culture and the dances and the events that used to have they don't they don't really exist anymore. Yeah, yes, that's right. We used to have so much going on, mm. um, from political rallies to dances to all sorts of picnics to gatherings to, and a lot of it was centred around the politics of the day too, mm. and. I think nowadays people, women don't feel as though they've got to fight for that anymore. There's nothing to fight for. Everybody accepts everything. And that's wonderful. It really is. It's great. But they've still got these, this, these women who really have been left behind somehow in this wonderful new diverse culture that, that we do have that the lesbian women have, have been left back there and so because a lot of women don't feel comfortable in going to like an LGBT yes, space yeah, or something like yeah. that and last year at the International Lesbian Day um, there were lots of men there now I can't imagine going to say the International Bears Day <laughs> and women turn up <laughs> so I'm really hearing what you're saying, Julie, and obviously I'm only 24, but mm. I'm really interested in LGBT history and in learning about stuff like that. And I completely agree with you that it's it's devastating how like lesbian culture, as it used to exist, has essentially been been eradicated. And I think that the stuff that you've said is stuff that would be shared by a lot of lesbian women today who are my age, from what I've heard, because I run in a few sort of like women who like women circles online and I'm um, in real life, and I definitely think that lesbian women are. Are devastated that connection to culture, connection to what um, butch and femme used to be, and the mm. way women used to relate to each other within that. Um, I, I think they're really upset about how much that's changed, and about how there are really not that many sort of lesbian-only or like women-only spaces that 
that exists anymore. So I'm really hearing what you're saying there, and it, it's awful, yeah. Yeah, for at least 10 years, women have been saying to me, where has everybody gone? Mm. What do you think? Like, where is everybody? Is it just ha- a, a, a case of losing touch or has something else happened? Have I feel like, um, like the idea that a lot of the older generation are becoming obsolete because all these platforms of rallies and and like political things are all coming going onto an online platform and people are mm-hmm. making like online forums where they all meet and talk online and it's a lot different because you would meet up and you'd go to a dance and you'd chat with your friends and you would have a rally and things like that whereas that's all sort of moving more on in an online space and it's hard for you know, it's people your age to sort of transition to that because it's not like it, it's it's difficult if you haven't grown up with the technology and and all that sort of stuff. So I definitely feel like it, it's becoming more difficult for reasons like that. Okay, time for the timeout. Once again, these podcasts aren't meant to cause any distress, but we understand that sometimes just by virtue of talking about our experiences, that that can trigger stuff for young people. So if you feel like you want to reach out for help or you've been thinking about getting help for a while and you feel like you're finally ready, we just wanted to remind you of the services that are available. Lifeline, 13 11 14, and you can access them on lifeline.org.au. Kids Helpline is 1-800-55-1800. QLife is 1-800-184-527. And you can access them qlife.org.au. And just remember, they've got an online counseling service as well, so you don't actually have to call them. You can chat to someone over the internet. All of that information is available at the beginning, the end, and in the description for this podcast. All right, let's get back into the conversation. So, um, thank you so much for talking, telling us about um, the experiences that you had in Sydney and in Perth. It was super interesting. I was wondering about uh, a little bit more about your experiences when you did come out, or like if you would call it coming out, or just like what what happened when you realised you. Um, were attracted to women, particularly about, like, did you tell your parents? Did you tell your friends? Did you tell people at your job? Like, how did that go for you? I told nobody. In 1975, after I met Eva, I told nobody. Um, I did tell my husband after 18 months, and he said to me, if you found somebody who can make you happier than me, then you should be with them. And, of course, I couldn't leave him then because I thought, wow, what a amazing thing to say Mm. but I didn't my father had died when I was 25 that year Um, and I I remember when I told my sister um, and she uh, she didn't want to know Uh, she was she went to the piano and started playing the piano and I'm trying to talk to her over her ding, ding, ding on the piano saying, listen to this and this. And, and I'm saying, but Jan, I want to talk to you. And uh, then then she's got, she's got horses. She, she was going around picking up manure, the horse's manure in the paddock. So she just didn't want to listen. My brother fell asleep on the lounge, which was a way of avoiding. But he did ring me up. And he's the only one of my family to comment on same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. He rang me up on, when they were voting and said, Julie, quick, get to the, the TV, they're voting. And, and he said he was really pleased that they were voting for it. Now, nobody else in my family has commented about same-sex marriage. Nobody in Lisa's family, her mother, hasn't commented. 
uh, neither has her father. Uh, her brother, who now Lisa's only fif- is fifty nine. I say only, only fifty nine. <laughs> just turned. Um, her brother's four years older, so he's fifty five. He didn't even he didn't comment at all about it, nor his his wife. It just makes me so sad that our generation of people just don't understand how important something like that is to us to gain respectability after after it being so feeling so shameful and and bad and that I was going to go to hell and and then to have marriage equality come out and be voted on and accepted and come in and our, some of our friends have been married and then for our families not to say anything it just it's really sad that's heart-wrenching to hear yeah it it it, it puts us as invisible again mm. back back in your box you go back in in that invisible box julie at the risk of i don't want to um thank you so much for sharing that first of all and i don't i, I wonder if i could share like some positive experiences i've had with with my family and the older generation and the marriage plebiscite just to um, maybe talk about the fact that there are some people out there of the older generation who are a little better than your family. Would you mind if I shared? Is that yeah, okay? sure. Yeah, so I, I'm i 24 and I came out when I was 15 um, to my parents as bisexual. Um, and so right now my dad is 56 and my mum is 54. Um, and from the very start, I'd always been raised by my parents with them telling me, like, no matter what you are, we will accept you, no matter what you are. And so when I when I came out to them, it was nerve-wracking. But I had, like, I was pretty confident that whatever they would say, like, they, they would accept me. And they, they did. They were super, super accepting. I came out when I was 15. I got my... I started dating my first girlfriend a couple of months later. Um, and then since then, I've had um, a boyfriend, and now I'm, I've got a girlfriend again. Um, and my parents were, especially with the marriage equality plebiscite, like, they... They would not stay out of my text messages. They were like, Claire, like, have you seen what people are saying? Like, have you seen that it's a landslide? Like, they both called me on the morning of and they were like, it's a landslide, yes, vote. Like, how are you feeling and stuff? So, yeah, I'm, I'm heartbroken to hear the experiences that you and Lisa have had with your family because I feel so privileged to have had such an amazing, <laughs> like, family and community. So it, it's amazing the, the differences people have from person to person and how that can impact us, I think. Yeah, it, it really does have a huge impact mm. on so many aspects of your life. Mm. People don't realise how h- huge and immense it does of, of even just covering up ev- everything, who you, who you talk to. Like at work, I didn't come out and I just... Uh, so then you don't talk about things that you had have done. Mm. Um, but just going back to parents uh, when they found uh, being told my I told my mother uh, in 93 she was 83 uh, and I was 43 and she, and I said that I loved another woman and she said I know that Julie I've always I've known that for a long time um, I, I don't condone it, but you're my daughter and I will always love you. And I thought that was just wonderful from mm. a woman. You know, that's 
yeah, mm. of her generation, born in, in, in 2011. So that was fantastic. Lisa's mother, on the other hand, was only 60 when she was told, uh, two years in 95. And Lisa's mother had to be taken to the doctors by Lisa for sedatives. Because Whoa. Really? Yes, because she was in shock. She just was so shocked. Um, so uh, she felt that Lisa should, Lisa was only 34, that she should, well, she shouldn't have another partner then if, uh, you know, she was breaking up with her partner and mm. uh, she shouldn't have, you know. It's so, so like be, be straight or be celibate. Well, absolutely. Don't, don't, don't be gay. No, don't be gay. Yeah. We get a lot of young people at Freedom Centre who are terrified about telling their grandparents because they come from an older generation. So do you have any advice either for those young people or I guess like if there's like an older person listening listening to this, like what like what do they need to keep in mind when like telling your grandparent? That's a really hard question yeah. because it depends yeah. on the background of that person. My mother was a strict a Christian person and she she was Christian and she was very very straight but she had a knowledge of the outside world mm. whereas I better not say what I was going to say <laughs> some, uh, some, some other people, people are not the same <laughs> they don't have as wide uh, a background or knowledge to grasp what it means to that young person, mm-hmm. to what their words might m- mean to them, how they might crucify them by the, using the wrong words. It, it's probably the hardest thing about coming out is to your parents and grandparents. I think, I think even just your comment is worthwhile for, you know, if a young person wants to share this podcast with their grandparent, if they come out to their grandparent and it you know, and it doesn't go well, to be able to listen to it and hear, like, someone from that generation say, you don't might not understand the impact that your words are having, yeah. I think is an incredibly valid yeah. thing for that young person to have. What, what you're saying right now, Julie, and just, like, of course, your existence and also the existence of my grandparents who are conservative Catholics but very, very accepting of me, it really sort of puts to shame people who say, oh, you can't expect older people to understand or you can't expect the older generation to accept you. They're from a different time. Mm. They've got different values. Like, what, do you think that's just, like, a garbage statement to say stuff like that? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely is. Um, basically, my mom threw up a huge stink about, like, when I came out, that I wasn't allowed to tell my grandmother, and she didn't mm. want me telling anyone in my family uh, about it, and um, that made me quite upset that she didn't want to. So I said, "Fine, sorry, I don't want to tell my grandma yet. I haven't decided if I want to tell anyone." And then suddenly she flipped a one eighty, and then went and told everyone in in my family. Sort of like outed me to my family, um, and. It just, like, at first I was petrified when my mum told me that she had gone and told everyone with like without me. Um, and that just, like, I went to a family dinner that we went to every Wednesday and, like, my aunt, who um, my nana had quite early on, my nana died late um, early this, this year and she was 89. Um, and my aunt's um, in, her, in her 70s and she... And she came up and she just said, I'm sorry for what your mother did. Mm. 
um, you know, we love you very much. It doesn't, you know, like, we, we don't mind, we love you very much. And my nana came and told me how much she loved me. She was from a very conservative um, Christian family in country Germany. So, like, very, like, didn't didn't know anything about yeah. that. She said, oh, whatever it is, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. We still love you very much. And my aunt made the point to tell my mom, she's like, nobody cares. Like, <laughs> why did you have to say this? Nobody cares. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah. And, mm. I mean, you can feel free to cut this if Shell doesn't want it to be said, but it was really hard because Shell's grandma was really important to her and I sort of wasn't really allowed to meet her as mm. Shell's girlfriend. Mm. Um, I wasn't really, like, I wasn't allowed to go to their family di- by, by Shell's mum. It wasn't spoken, but that was what it was. And I really only was sort of met Shell's nan twice or something like that and mm. maybe once as her girlfriend. Mm. And all Shell's nan said was, like, what did she say? Like she seems really beautiful or yeah, something like that. Pretty. Yeah. So like, I it it's sad that I didn't get to meet her more because I really would have loved to do that. So mm. it's really, family can be hard. Mm. Well, with Lisa's family, Lisa and I have been together for twenty three years. Uh, I've uh, had several occasions met her with her brother, and they've come over and stayed with us. Um, but I haven't met any extended family members in 23 years and we've been to Sydney a lot mm. and that makes me feel that I'm not part of that family uh, and it's re- it's really really s- sad yeah. that just going on from that question that you asked about what could be a good way mm-hmm. of of introducing the topic is about what I one suggestion could be bringing one or two friends to meet your parents, young people to bring meet their parents, and so they can see oh, and get to know them first. Well, just getting them to meet them, so that they can see. Well, you know, they may be gay or lesbian or queer or what. But, you know, they don't have two heads and they're just people. They're mm. just, you know, nice, genuine people. And because if they're, they're friends, they're going to be people like them, mm. you know, like that young person. I think that's a really good tip, mm. a really good hint for young people. I mean, not to be academic, but if you look at the literature talking about how to best approach people who are racist or who are bigoted, all the research says that people need to have genuine one-on-one interactions with the people who they might have a prejudice against to be able to see their humanity mm-hmm. and see them as a, a person, not just like a stereotype yeah. or an idea yeah. idea in their head. Yeah. yeah. This podcast with you today, mm-hmm. Brian, has made me think about all those women out there who've got stories to tell. Yeah. Um, I did a. I've got a um, a degree in social and political. Th- theory from Murdoch and uh, local history um, and I specialised in oral history and uh, you know I'd love to interview people hello out there (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and maybe do a a, something on older women and their perspectives so anybody out there contact me you can cut that out Brian no for the record I'll have you on (laughs) Queer to Air anytime you like Julie this has been fantastic I've loved having I mean I've done very little here I've just sat back and listened to the perspectives of you know three people and they've 
like very very different mm. experiences and it's been just incredible to hear and like thank you for like potting, popping your hand up for this and saying yeah. like I'm I'm happy to do this I, I think this is the first podcast where I've like shed a tear of sadness and shed a tear of <laughs> laughter at, yeah. uh, within the same hour so thank you um, I will probably have to wrap it up though if that's, yeah, that's alright cool. um, before we go I have to ask what is your opinion on rap music now? <laughs> Actually, I like some of it now. Hey, but good back then, in the 80s, it was sort of, oh, crap, we can't dance. To, we can't sing and dance to that. But now I actually like, I do like it. I love to hear it. Yeah. I also, also, I want to I wanna know if you are going to organise a dance with some fantastic 80s dance music. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't mind rap music, but it's not my favourite. I will come. I will, yeah. I will come and I will bring friends. She I, loves 80s music so much. Uh, okay, well, uh, uh, Madonna is, is just fabulous, but th- there's lots of 60s and 70s oh, too. No, I love that too. Okay. Fantastic. Oh, I'm so disappointed because I can't come. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for being a man. Uh, all right. Well, what a more appropriate note to end it on. Um, if you want to follow everything that we are doing on Queer to Air, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you're talking about us online, hashtag Queer to Air. There's the survey link in the description. And if, if there's anything that's been said that's triggered you or you feel like you want to reach out for help, there is a pre-recorded message after the outro music where, you, you know, there's a couple of service numbers in there that you can access. Julie, thank you again for coming in. Thank you, Brian. No worries. Uh, say goodbye, everyone. Bye. Yeah. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. If this podcast has caused any distress or triggered you in any way, here are a list of services that are available to you. You can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 and they are open 24-7. You can also access lifeline.org.au for more information on their services. You can call Kids Helpline on 1-800-55-1800. You can call Suicide Callback Service on 1300 65 94 67. Also available 24-7 or you can visit suicidecallbackservice.org.au. Headspace numbers are going to change for each location, so you can jump onto headspace.org.au to find your nearest branch, or you can jump onto eheadspace.org.au to check out their online counselling option. QLife is 1-800-184-527. They're available 3pm to midnight in your state around Australia. You can also visit them on qlife.org.au and you can have an online chat similar to Headspace. Freedom Centre's info is 92280354. Email us at info at freedom.org.au or you can visit freedom.org.au for other services that we provide. If you are listening to this and you are in crisis, I urge you to reach out for help and get the support that you need and definitely deserve.